the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Here to begin our Friday broadcast of Way of Grace, Pastor Jessica Stand. That gospel will, in some cases, not even penetrate the heart of a man or a woman. They will go through the external motions of religion, and it really have no psychological impact. They just come and go. Others will hear the word, and it will have an initial impact in their life, whereby they sense that they are dealing with something of a grave nature, true. They're dealing with theology. They're dealing with eternal imperatives. And for them, it moves them emotionally. But over time, once they settle down in their gladness and in their joy, the cares of the life begin to distract them again and draw them away from that zeal and passion and focus on the Word of God. Hi there, and welcome to Way of Grace, the radio outreach of Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Pastor Jessica Stand is going to join us here in just a moment with today's program. You know, the word perfect gets thrown around quite a bit. Usually, whatever is being described as perfect is anything but. Now, to be sure, you can do a 300 in bowling, and they consider that a perfect game, and a hole-in-one is a perfect shot in golf. That said, it's just a small snapshot of perfect in an otherwise imperfect life, right? But there really aren't many things in life that can be called perfect. Now, Pastor Jesse will have us consider today the perfection of Jesus Christ, and not just a moment or two in a man's life, but the whole of his life, the whole of his being is being perfect. Specifically, the ways that we can effectively share the good news of salvation will be the topic today as well. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. So we're in Acts chapter 11, and we're closing out chapter 11. And we started with points number one and two. The first point we dealt with was to the Jew first. That's verses 19 and 20. Let's revisit these briefly as I um, called your attention to verses 19 and 20, 19 through 21, where we saw over in um, verse 19. Now, they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, or Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenice, Cyprus, Antioch, preaching the word to none but the Jews only. Um, that text will teach us that the disciples had a priority given to them by Jesus Christ, and that is to preach the gospel to whom first? The Jew first. Right. Now, it wasn't because the Jews were... Um, uh, better or different or more special than any other human being. It was simply that to them, the oracles of the gospel were given first. And because it was given to them first, they were to be privileged with hearing the words of Messiah. And we saw last week how that Jesus, as he went about ministry, as he said in Matthew's gospel, chapter 15, you know, I am come to no one but the lost sheep of Israel. 
His primary purpose at that time was to announce his Messiahship, his role and office as Messiah to his own people who had done 2,000 years of 1,500 years of uh, history. No, 2,000 since Abraham of history. Here comes the Messiah incarnate in the flesh. And they had the blessed, blessed privilege of him speaking to them. God in the flesh. That's what we mean by our first point. um, The blessing of to the Jew first. As Paul had stated in Acts chapter, uh, Romans rather, chapter 3. What is the advantage of the Jews? They had the oracles given to them. And we talked about the implications of having the word of God given to us. In a sense, you and I are like that. If you are a Christian and you have some knowledge of the word of God, you and I are like the Jews. In other words, it's a blessing to have the word, but it's also as point number two is stating um, that's back at point number one. We're at point number one. We want to stay there back at point number one. We are dealing with to the Jew first, the blessing of the gospel coming to us. That means we get to hear it. That is a blessing, is it not? But it's also what a responsibility. So to whom much is given, much is what? Right. That, that becomes a tension in the life of uh, the people of God because we often emphasize the blessing. But wherever God calls you and me into a relationship with himself, he not only calls us to the blessing of the relationship, but the responsibility of it. I remember many, many years ago, and I think people know this intuitively. I remember many, many years ago, I might have shared this with you when God first saved me. I was a young teenager and I was going about telling everybody about Christ I possibly could. And I had a really, really close friend and we ran the streets together and we messed up together. And I felt obligated to share the the gospel with them first. Why wouldn't you? When the Bible says preach the gospel first in Jerusalem. Well, that's where we want to do it to our own people, to the people with whom we are most acquainted, most familiar. Um. I had a good friend of whom I struggled to share the gospel with him because he was doing well in his own physical carnal life. He was uh, he was doing wrong, but he was doing well. And uh, the gospel does not is not easily received by people who are prospering materially, prospering physically, prospering in life. And he was making lots of money doing the wrong thing. But because God had saved me, I was obligated to share the gospel with him. And as I attempted several times to share the gospel with him, he would say this. Jesse, if you share the word of God with me, if you tell me what God has done for you, is that going to make me more accountable to God? And I said, yes. And he said, then don't tell me. And when I didn't tell him, God in his providence allowed us to be separated by virtue of me being called to grow in the word and to to affiliate with people that were hungry for the word, as we're going to see in the closing passages of Acts chapter 11. And shortly after that conversation, he ended up dead, being killed because he was in the uh, into the drug game. And uh, consequently, he died without Christ. Um, And so. uh, When we say more accountable, well, which one do you want? Do you want to be blessed by hearing the gospel or damned by rejecting the gospel? You see, because as Jesus said in the gospels himself, your hour is always at hand. We can leave here tonight and find ourselves facing eternity. Right. And so, yes, there is a uh, an accountability, a responsibility to those to whom the gospel is given. And then we saw in our last point. 
the consequences of rejecting the gospel. This is the strain that's going to run through the book of Acts. The Jewish people to whom the gospel had come first, he came unto his own and his own what? Received him not. The world was made by him and the world knew him not. This is going to be the strain and tenor running through the book of Acts. The consequence of rejecting the gospel. And so our Lord Jesus said that the kingdom would be taken from them and given to others. And I already had given you guys a preview of Acts chapter 13, where in Acts chapter 13, there was a major tumult, a major battle between the Jews and the Gentiles hearing the gospel. And we saw in Acts chapter 13 how the Apostle Paul made a definite and final statement. Look over in Acts 13, verse 46 through 48. He made a definite statement about their having rejected rejected the gospel. Verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it far from you, that means they, they rejected the gospel and judge yourselves worthy, uh, unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to whom? For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was published throughout that region. And so this is the mark at which they will turn. Going back then to chapter 12, as we move forward. We um, are thankful that God had given the mandate to go to the Jews because there's an election according to grace that came out of the Jewish people. Paul made it clear in Romans 11, and we will be dealing with that text in our Roman series probably in about three months. But as we are looking at it in our women's theology class, Paul made it clear that in Romans 11, while God cast the nation away, he didn't cast his elect away. And he affirmed that by saying, I am a Jew and God saved me. There were many Jews in that first century where they were saved. And as we go through the book of Acts, chapters 12 subsequent to our text and following, we will see little sprinkles of Jewish people believing the gospel because God is never without a witness. The second thing I called your attention to is point number two, the role of leadership confirming the word. We stated that when God is beginning a work somewhere in a new city, in a new place, that the, the uh, foundational church, which was at Jerusalem, we will call her at, at the moment the mother church, is responsible to make sure that the work that's taking place in that new region is founded upon solid biblical truth. And consequently, what we read over in verse 22 through 24 is, uh, as it says in verse 22, then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, mark what happened when he came. He had seen the grace of God and was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart that they would what? Cleave to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And many people were added to the Lord. So under our second point, the role of leadership confirming the word, there were three things I called your attention to. One is bearing witness of the work. It's critical for us to be able to know what God is doing and then to affirm that work that God is doing and and to affirm it with qualified men capable of teaching the word, sound men who can actually go in and affirm authentic Christianity and help root and ground Christians. You'll notice that what... um, 
Barnabas had said over in verse uh, 23 was that they were to, with purpose of heart, cleave unto the Lord. Cleave unto the Lord. That was, that was the sum total of his exhortation to, to them. And the reason is this. One of the most difficult things for a new Christian to understand is that when you first come to a knowledge of God through the gospel, um, you are unaware that you are being called into a warfare. You're being called into a battle. You're unaware of that because you're in a honeymoon phase with the whole idea and concept of grace coming to you. And the propositions of the gospel are so wonderful to your hearing. You are in a state of being open and vulnerable to learning. And the learning part is great. What you don't realize when you're a brand new Christian is that accountability factor is going to require that you respond to the gospel appropriately or trials are going to come, which are going to challenge whether or not you're actually receiving the word of God. That's where the Lord Jesus gave us the parable of the sower and the seed in the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Remember he said, and the sower went forth to sow. That's the preacher of the word. This is an evangelical model of a parable. And some fell on the wayside. Remember that? And some fell on uh, shallow ground and some fell on the thorny ground and some fell on good ground. Four soils all representing what? The heart. And what that parable taught was the sower sows indiscriminately the gospel if he's preaching the gospel. And that gospel will, in some cases, not even penetrate the heart of a man or a woman. They will go through the external motions of religion and it really have no psychological impact. They just come and go. Others will hear the word and it will have an initial impact in their life whereby they sense that they are dealing with something of a grave nature. True. They're dealing with uh, uh, theology. They're dealing with uh, eternal imperatives. And for them, it moves them emotionally. But over time, once they settle down in their gladness and in their joy, the cares of the life begin to distract them again and draw them away from that zeal and passion and focus on the word of God. And by and by, they start to back away from a consistent pursuit of God. That's what that parable is teaching. The other parable is the parable of the stony ground hearer where individuals resolve that while they are interested in the word of God, they are not going to let go of their material things. They are not going to let go of their carnal worldly things. They are going to, with one hand, embrace Jesus and with the other hand, embrace the world and try to bring them together, conflate them, create a confluence of living large in the world and living large for Jesus. This is what we call basically your apostate church, your present secular carnal apostate church where they don't understand full commitment to Jesus, meaning cleaving to Christ alone, which often means you got to let a lot of things go that you originally embraced as part of your identity, part of your creature comforts, part of your emotional stability. You got a lot of let a lot of things go in order to deter, determine or discover whether or not Christ is enough. That's a hard journey I have discovered for most brand new Christians. That's anywhere from three to five to 10 years of a walk with God. Anywhere from three to five to 10 years of a walk with God, I have observed Christians now for almost 
35 years. Anywhere from three to five to 10 years is what I consider sort of a probation period where it will be discovered whether or not your Christianity is authentic, whether or not it's truly genuine or whether or not you're just going through an emotional sort of fervor around the gospel, which what Jesus had taught was many people will do that. They'll come to church because there's some great promises in the word of God. Um, But because that commitment is not there, as the uh, parable says in Matthew 13, they didn't have any root and the root didn't go down deep enough for them to have an authentic walk with God. The best they could do was church. So what happens is when you are under biblical teaching that demands that you cleave to the Lord, as Barnabas had just stated, if you do not have that 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 genuine hunger and thirst for God. What you're going to do is get away from that kind of exhortation. You're going to find a church that is able to accommodate your half-heartedness and your desire for carnality, as well as basically holding on to Jesus as kind of a safe calling card for heaven. Are you, are you guys hearing what I'm saying? That's fundamentally what's going on. So what uh, Barnabas is doing in our text is um, he's really encouraging the brand new believers in this region of which he's been called to Cyprus and Cyrene and, and these other areas around Caesarea and Antioch, he's calling them to make their calling and election what? Right. And if you don't know that text, that's second Peter chapter one, verse 10. That's one of the texts that for me, I learned early on in my Christian life. I had to actually own. I had to own that text because just like everyone else, I went through trials And like everyone else, I was tempted to vacillate, tempted to depart from the faith, tempted to compromise a legitimate, earnest pursuit of Jesus for basically a watered down gospel. But because I was truly born again, that contemplation scared me to death. The notion that I would be half hearted with Jesus and presume that I would make it to heaven scared me to death. And so uh, by God's grace, I was I was granted the ability to persevere and go deeper with Christ. And I realized something that I, I guess I'm sharing with you now. There is no satisfaction to be had in your relationship with Christ if you are not committed fully to him. There's no satisfaction to be had in your alleged walk with Christ if you're not fully committed to him. Your life will be filled with conflict, dissatisfaction ambivalence, duplicity, all of the consequences of um, a very fledgling relationship. And, and I think the thing, too, that I want to press home as we get ready to continue working through our outline is I think what people don't really accept, and I think this is critical, they don't accept the paradigm or the model or the construct that what salvation is, is a relationship with the true and the living God through Jesus Christ. And because that's not something that they comprehend, they don't feel compelled to deal with God as a person and in earnest. Because they don't grasp the idea that genuine salvation is a personal relationship, then they don't deal with him personally. They deal with him propositionally. They deal with him from the long arm of religion. They deal with him based upon a few Bible verses that they come to know They deal with them in terms of religion and they never, ever come to know whether or not they know the true and the living God. And this is what makes Matthew chapter seven, uh, verses 22 through 24. So ominous 
that on that last day, when we all stand before him, Jesus will say to many of you, I never what? I never knew you. So notice again in that statement, his rejection of them will not be a rejection of them predicated upon how much they know about Jesus, but whether or not they knew him. So I I think when we talk about making our calling and election sure, we're talking about being honest with God as a person. That's what we're talking about. Being honest with God as a person in order to have the benefits of what uh, what the scriptures call making your calling and election sure. So under the role of leadership, confirming the word, uh, bearing witness to the work, you'll notice that what Paul, uh, what Barnabas did over in verse 25, after his qualifications were given in verse 24, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And many people were added to the Lord. I think I'll touch on that when we get to able ministers of the word. But look, look at verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to where? Tarsus for to seek who? Now, this is a beautiful, beautiful insight given because while Barnabas is knowledgeable, while Barnabas is a theologian and Barnabas is an elder and Barnabas actually saw fruit to the place that he went to. Remember, many people were added to the Lord. Barnabas also knew that doing ministry by yourself is very dangerous. And God always sets up models for ministry for the purpose of accomplishing that ministry without being distracted, thwarted or hindered by the devil. He always sent them out at least in what? Twos. He always sent them out two by two. And so that model is given to us too, two by two in Luke's gospel chapter 10. You know that where he sent out the what? The 70. And he sent them out two by two. And when he sent out the disciples, he sent them out two by two. As we have learned before, two is better than what? Right. Because when one falls, there is none there to pick him up. Now, if that one should presume or assert that all they need is Jesus. Well, what they're doing at that point is what we call in Matthew chapter four, tempting the Lord. You know how you meet the Christian who says, all I need is Jesus. Well, if Jesus tells you that you need him plus some brothers and sisters in Christ, do not tempt the Lord. See, so you and I can twist the scriptures and talk about being super Christians all we want to. But the reality is we need more than one brother. We need 10 brothers, 10 sisters. If we're going to be honest about our own health and growth, when you and I are left to ourselves, do you know how easily the devil can trick you, slip you up? cause you to compromise, cause you to stagnate, send you down the wrong, wrong, wrong lane, cause you to have to make a detour. And that detour can last for weeks and months and years before you get back on track. How many times has the enemy caused that dumb sheep to stray away from the fold and get them caught up in all of the curiosities of the flesh under the presumption that it's all right, I can do it myself. So many times. Uh, furthermore, uh, and then within the context of, of ministry, which is what our our final point will deal with. Uh, I mean, our, our, our third point will deal with able ministers of the spirit. When it comes to teaching ministry, it's very important that in the context of a body of believers, particularly if there's a good number of people, that leadership should be multiplied, at least duplicated for the purpose of being able to have a balanced ministry. Uh, there are many models that that the church has uh, experimented with in terms of what we call ecclesiology, church government, structures. Uh, 
like congregational churches, Episcopal churches, Anglican churches, Baptist churches, Presbyterian churches, Methodist churches, all sorts of uh, ecclesiastical forms of government the church has been uh, tampering with. Uh, Some better than others. Some better than others. But the one that I think is uh, unbiblical and dangerous is the monarchical model, the monarchical model of the single person dominating the church like a king without having an eldership to serve and a deaconship to serve with him and them doing the work of the ministry. Now, we have what are called senior pastors. That's critical to any healthy church. Like you can't have four or five equal heads. The reason why you can't have four or five equal heads is because of the sinfulness of the people. You do agree with that, right? Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 630. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening, Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace-bible.com, or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible. And again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.